If you're going to build something from nothing, you've got to know what really works. I took a $1,000 loan and built a $5 billion business, and now I make smart investments in new businesses on Shark Tank. This is Barbara Corcoran, and you're listening to Business Unusual. Today on Business Unusual, I'll answer your questions about business, motivation, life, or anything else on your mind. But first, most people think that all good negotiation is about numbers, reaching a fair price where everybody's agreed and everybody's happy. I'm here to tell you I've negotiated my whole life, and it has nothing to do with that. It all has to do with romance and timing. Negotiation is an important skill for everyone, whether you're buying a used car or brokering a huge merger or just negotiating with your own kids. It's a skill that you should learn to develop because it gets you out of life exactly what you want. The reason I say that price is so unimportant in negotiation is because I've watched thousands of people agree on prices they swore they wouldn't agree on. But I can tell you how I, as a middleman, got them there. First off, I saw the situation as a romance. You have to create a certain allure or attraction of the situation, but then put the getting of it a little out of reach. It's kind of like trying to get that girl on the first date and maybe bringing her home. If you move too fast, she's going to back off. So the first rule of good negotiation is be careful of your timing. I found that in giving counteroffers in real estate, I made buyers and sellers wait longer than they wanted to wait for the counteroffer. And that created insecurity and made them feel like, oh my God, if only I could get it, if only I could get it. If I had moved quickly, as quickly as a buyer and seller gave me the counteroffers, I would have ruined the romance. So I learned to slow down with my negotiation to make people tantalize. Like, oh, I wonder, why aren't they answering? Why aren't they answering? All it was was me waiting a couple of hours before I gave the counter bid. The second thing is you have to have people stick with the deal. And I found when people got exactly what they wanted, they wondered if they overpaid or they wonder if they got too little. So I always made people a little happy and a little sad with each deal that I made. The reason for that is it gave it glue. It made people stick with the deal. So, oh, I wish I could have gotten it for a little less, but I know I squeezed every penny out of that seller as best I could. That's the image you want to create with your buyer and your seller. Good negotiation has little to do with price. In the end, it has to do with great timing and making people a little bit happy and a little bit sad, built on the romance that you created in the first place. And now it's time to answer your questions on Business Unusual. This is Lori from Tampa. I just got hit with a copyright infringement for my best-selling item. I didn't knowingly infringe, but I did remove all the items related to this. I'm struggling with this emotionally, even though I know logically I can come back from it. But I'm definitely struggling. What do I do? Lori, I can relate to that. In the fifth year of building my business, I had one client that was providing 80% of all the customers that I was working with, and I was introducing them to the best buildings in town to earn my commissions. But what happened was the landlord approached my client directly and took all those clients right away from me, and I lost 80% of my sales overnight. Here's what I know now that I didn't know then. It was a blessing in disguise. My immediate reaction was to be furious with the landlord who had stolen them away. 
but then I realized I was wasting time feeling sorry for myself. Instead, I went immediately out and started calling on a lot more accounts, and guess what happened? I almost doubled the size of my business. When somebody gives you a punch in the gut, it's a signal that you've been coasting a little bit and you need to just get your game going and work a little harder. Think about what other product you could develop. And if you don't have a good idea immediately, reach out to your family, friends, your customers and start asking them, what ideas do you have? There's a new item that you can develop waiting to be born out there. You just have to get hungry enough to get out there and find out what it is. Think of it as a blessing, my dear, and phone in again when you tell me you've gotten richer. Hi, Barbara. My name is Bianca, and I'm from Syracuse, New York. At my business, I'm always hearing, I love your work. When I have the money, I'm definitely going to place an order. My question is, how do I find the people with money to spend instead of always attracting window shoppers? Thanks, Barbara. Bianca, the shoppers you're talking about are basically not telling you the truth because every shopper will turn into a buyer if they really like what they see. So stop fooling yourself and stop allowing them to fool you. There's something wrong with your product. That's the short of it or the way you're pitching it. And you need to find out what's wrong with it and fix it. This is how you do it. You start asking those lovely people who tell you, oh, lovely, but they don't buy. Instead of collecting all those I love you compliments, start getting valuable information from them. Ask questions like, hey, how do you think I could improve the product? Hey, what do you think I should price it at? Is the price too high? Hey, why don't you tell me what you think is the little thing in this product that you don't really like? Get the truth out, because if you get the truth out from these people, you could start improving your product and actually have something they're going to write a check on. So stop fooling yourself. Get it fixed. This is McKinley. I'm calling from London, Ontario, Canada, and I'm wondering what you think is the smartest investment a young adult can make today. McKinley, that's such a broad question, but if I had to pull two things out of the air that apply to everybody, I would say, number one, try to get your hands on your first piece of real estate. I say that not because I've been a real estate broker my whole life, but because I've seen what happens when you don't get into the real estate game really early. You have nothing to trade with as prices go through the moon, and they do that every 10 years, and you don't want to be left behind. So even if you could afford the tiniest, tiniest studio, and that's all you have the cash to put down or even borrow the money from friends or family, Get it down and get your hands on that studio because then that allows you to trade up to a one-bedroom later on than a two-bedroom and it allows you not to be left behind. The other thing I would definitely say is worth the money and the investment is go out and buy yourself one great outfit. Now that might sound frivolous to you, but I spent my first commission check of $340 on a brand new coat and I can tell you wearing that coat for the next four years made me feel like the success I would soon become. You've got to dress for the part. So that's it. Get yourself a new outfit. That's the fun part. And find a way to get your hands on your first little piece of real estate. And that's all the questions we have time for today. If you have a question, tweet it at Barbara Corcoran, and I may just answer it on a future episode. You've been listening to Business Unusual with me, Barbara Corcoran. Come back next week to hear more steps and missteps I took on the path to success on Business Unusual. Business Unusual is part of the iHeartRadio Podcast Network. 
Be sure to follow Business Unusual on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Our executive producer is Sandy Smolens for Audiation. Our mixer is Dave Savage. Chris Peterson is Senior Vice President of Podcasts for iHeartRadio.